On this month's show, our special guest is Chef Dylan Herrick of the Barking Frog at Willow's Lodge. We'll opine about food trends we're hearing about and share news like a new skillet diner, the closure of London Plain, January events, and end with some tips. You'll hear it all on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... The Canyon River Grill, located in the heart of Yakima Canyon. Experience Chef Kevin Davis's meticulously crafted and delicious cuisine alongside the Yakima River. Extend your stay in overnight in one of the Canyon River Ranch's exquisite suites. Visit the website at canyonrivergrill.com for hours and reservations. Hi, this is Chef Bill Raniger from Duke's Chatterhouse, and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to our January show, number 2301. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Happy New Year. Happy, happy. I knew you were going to say that. Happy New Year. (laughs) Hey, you know, we mentioned that our guest this month is Chef Dylan Herrick of the Barking Frog, but we're going to put that man to work. So he's going to get into our monthly discussion with us up front, and then we'll talk to him again at the end of the show. That sounds good. Yeah. Welcome, Perfect. Dylan. Yeah, you're ready. Thank you for having me. This is great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you've got a good radio voice. Well, thank you. <laughs> so what we were talking about, I was looking up some food trends. It's January, so you've got to kind of look out there and see what other people are saying. And uh, I'm, I'm just, I've listed a couple of things, and I thought we could all just make some comments about what we A little roundtable session. Exactly. Perfect. So the first one was that sweet and salty will be a continuing trend, but you may see savory and salty with sweet notes. And the uh, example they used was a caramel sauce using fish sauce to glaze ribs. I see it. We have it on the menu at the Frog. Oh, really? So yeah, not, we're not doing, a new trend yeah, again. Yeah, we, uh, we're doing a little play on a sweet potato pie right now with oh. our, our pork dish. So we have a birico pork and all the notes and elements of sweet potato pie on the plate just deconstructed a little bit. So oh. you got everything on there. Yeah. Wow. Put fish sauce on your sweet potato pie? No, but I have made fish sauce caramel. We just, we just had a dessert, actually, that we ran. We ran a tasting menu uh, for Christmas. And the dessert had a miso caramel on it that had a little bit of fish sauce in yeah. there. Huh. Yeah. Tom is not much of a fish sauce person. And we talked to a friend of ours who for years was a caterer. And she said her theory was that fish sauce should sort of cook out. It shouldn't taste fishy. And that's the mistake people make. And then when somebody like Tom gets that, he goes, this is fishy. I don't want this. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that Yeah, it's you- true. Yeah, when, when, you, when you cook it, and I think if you, if you put it with a sweet element, that sweet element can cut through the fishiness of it, but the salty is left behind. Uh, okay. you know? So it's, it's more as a, as a seasoning for these sweet things rather than like getting that sort of like fish sauce funk. It's kind it, of yeah. a umami, isn't it? It's, it's umami, yeah, it definitely. Is. And, then, and then, I mean, I think the way, the, way, uh, the Thai use it, um, I think it's very umami because they're not cooking yeah. it out. They're you know yeah. it's 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 in their salads, in their green papaya salads, in the, in their chicken larb and stuff yeah. like that. You know, so yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely an umami note though. Yeah, and yeah. and a fish sauce is popular. I see it on yeah. the menus 
all yeah. applying, yeah. you know, no matter what the restaurant is. So the, the next one I thought, and it was more that I found the, the play against each other funny, but they're saying more cannabis-infused foods are coming along with alcohol-free cocktails. So it's like you're going to get your high on somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. you're going to give up your alcohol, then you're going to do cannabis. Then you're going to do food. the cannabis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've kind of been waiting for the cannabis food trend to kind of to kind of well, go, go on the up and up, you know? Because they don't allow it. Right. Yeah. There's licenses that need to happen and yeah. stuff. But I mean, I have, I have a bunch of chef friends that are just waiting and, and they want to do, you know, like a cannabis food truck or something yeah. like that, you know? Where oh, you can't have it legally in this state? In well, food? if it has THC, I don't know if it has CBD in it. Well, I mean, they can sell it. So, I mean, there's edibles and yeah. stuff at, at all the dispensers and stuff That's like that. Right. But, 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 but I don't think like, you but, can't put it on a menu yet. I don't right. think if it's THC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because we've talked to people, again, years ago who were getting into this mm-hmm. and putting into the foods. I think at the time, it may have been long enough ago, it wasn't even legal to have. So it was probably just, you know, people who were doing it at home to yeah. see what what it would taste like. Yeah, well, yeah, and I know kind of once it's become uh, legalized uh, in more states, I've seen these, like, uh, uh, little dinners pop up that people are just doing little dining clubs, yes. and they're doing tasting menus with every course's uh, weed-infused, yeah. you know? So, yeah. I did see something like that. Yeah. I can't yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, the alcohol-free cocktails, I think that, I mean, it's it's always been around, you know? And, and yeah. I, But I think, yeah. like, like drinking vin- vinegars and shrubs have kind of, yes, like, that's... become real popular the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I think now people are realizing that they can use those. Uh, and without that alcohol bite, food will pair better with a yeah. with an alcohol-free cocktail, too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's nice, you know, even if you want to have a cocktail, mm-hmm. if you're driving, you could have one. Right. And then the rest of the evening, you don't have to yeah. be imbibing, yeah. you know. You can just have something that tastes great anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, last month we had Mina Williams on from Blanc and Rouge mm-hmm. Wine or uh, Wine Taste. Hello, what am I saying? Wine shop. room. No, it's a retail shop um, <laughs> in Snohomish, and we asked her to talk about this because one of the things we were hearing a lot about was alcohol-free wine is really going to be big. Okay. And she was like, huh, "Yeah, not." Hmm. <laughs> Welch is really perfect. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, one. yeah, isn't that isn't that just uh, grape <laughs> juice? Yeah. <laughs> but um, all right. The next one, and I can kind of see this, plant-based pasta. So there's already lentil pasta and things like that, but they were talking spaghetti squash, hearts of palm, which is interesting, green bananas. Hmm. And actually making like a pasta dough out of this, huh? somehow. Interesting. I mean, you know, for years in kitchens, we've put plants into our pasta when we're making a pasta to get like a certain color out of yeah, it or create exactly. like a speckle effect Beets. or stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, I think it'd be cool if they started selling more of them, Yeah, you know, yeah. to, to buy. Cause a lot of them, like when uh, gluten-free became such a big thing, a lot of chefs just made their own gluten-free pasta. Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, the- yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I hope they get the texture dialed in because that's always been the problem with the the gluten free stuff, you yeah. know. So, so maybe they like the protein that's in plants. They can, yeah, they can work it away to where it has a little more tooth toothiness to it, to it, you know, yeah. a little more al dente. Whatever happened with the dried insect trend? It just seemed to dry yeah, up. Yeah, it? it did a little bit. You know huh? what? I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much going to say that that trend ended with this podcast. <laughs> I want some gluten free roaches and stuff. Yeah, yeah, know? that cricket meal to yeah, cricket. To, 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 to he, make the he pasta. bought some. Yeah. Did you mess with it much? Yeah, we had some. You just yeah. ate it. We didn't we had make some over anything. at the rickshaw one night. No. Yeah. Um, 
you tried a, the bugs, but you didn't make anything with them. No. Yeah. We uh, just ate them. Yeah, just ate them whole. I mean, I we didn't even wait for them to to die. Oh, we just, <laughs> <laughs> just laughed. They hopped around in your mouth a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Rather than slap that thing, let's eat it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, the other thing about pasta too. Not only the dough isn't right, but sometimes it doesn't hold up to a sauce, no. so it just falls yeah. apart, and then yep. it's mush. You yeah. know, so yeah. they got to get it right. Um, and then they, there's well, a new one. But you could, you could do a lot of stuff with coconut flour to get the adhesion you're looking for. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if, if I make cookies and I just use almond flour, it's okay. But if I want them crunchy, I put in a little bit of coconut flour, and then I Perfect. get the action going with the crunch. Yeah. And then I put a centipede in. Yeah, you got to throw <laughs> for that the in For extra there. crunch. Yeah, yeah. Or you could just like. Dice it up a little for the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a little protein with your cookie. That's fine. The other one that I just found funny because I'm a word person, but they're calling it swicy. Swicy. Sweet and spicy. Ah, swicy. Yes. I mean, that's I, – I feel like uh, in the South we've seen that a lot. You know, they've had mm. hot honey down there for, yeah. for a long time, and they put it on a lot of different stuff, you know. And then I, I think um, – I think a lot of people have had jalapeno cornbread yep. before and stuff yep. like that, you know. And I think uh, it's nice because you can you can use a hotter chili. Hotter chilies tend to have like more of like a, a floral mm. sort of element to them, you know, like a habanero or something okay. like that. And then when it, when it's with something sweet, it definitely cuts through that heat a little bit, you know. So so I, I like that trend a lot. Yeah. I, I like sweet and spicy. Yeah, I do too. Swicy, swicy. Yeah. Now that we know what to call yes. it, yes, swicy. The other one that that seemed to be all over the place, so it's got to be YouTube or TikTok or something, is the butterboard. The butterboard. And that is spreading butter on a board, so that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sprinkle your toppings on, and they gave some samples like like somebody always does when they say, do something easy, you know. Herbs de Provence. Yes, exactly. Chop up some of this, that, pepper, you know, and then sprinkle whatever toppings you want on it. And serve it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a board with yeah. butter on it. Butter board. And then everybody just put out crackers or crostini or I, – I, I found it funny because the way it, it listed it was like French bread, crostini, or even crackers. Even. It was like, like you never put <laughs> yeah. butter on crackers. If you're feeling extra saucy, put some crackers <laughs> with that butter board. Yeah. I mean, I just – I feel like uh, a lot of – everything goes on a board these days, you know? There's, yeah. It's uh, – I, I just saw a little video the other day that people are having board parties now where everyone brings their own board, you know? And, like, someone had – it was a, oh a burger God. board and there was a popcorn board. And so everyone brought their own board of and different then everybody stuff. Just, and, yeah, that's the party. Yeah. It's a, it's a pot. Yeah. What am I trying yeah. to say? A progressive – Dinner in one yeah. room. Do they, do they have dancing? Because then you could bring your boogie board. Right? That's right. You can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of a butter board, though. You know, bread and butter always goes yeah. with yeah. with anything. You and know? I guess so. you know, in, instead of putting extra plates out, you just have the board. That's Everybody it. eats off right? the board. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've even seen some videos now where like people are like putting foil over their table and then just dumping nachos in the middle of it, and the family's oh eating God. nachos just right out of the middle of the table. So <laughs> this is sort of like the uh, the seafood place down on the exactly yeah just yeah take the, mallets the boil and, in a bag places yeah, yeah the yeah. crab boils yeah 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 interesting which is a nice segue yeah. into the next one which is tinned fish tinned fish and I'm I'm saying that. I went to look this up too because I'm blanking on her name, but she, uh, this chef, was at West. She was the opening chef at Westward. Mm-hmm. She oh, no, not she familiar, had sorry. a lot going on. I mean, she yeah. was on one of the TV shows mm-hmm. and um, you know Top Chef or something. Um, 
And when I interviewed her, this was four years ago, maybe. It was before the pandemic. And that was going to be her business. She was going to do tinned fish. So it, this is not a new trend to me. But, no, um, I mean, here, here maybe. Like in Spain, the like, tinned, everything is yeah. super popular. I mean, they got tapas yeah. places over there where you go in and it's just, it's all tinned stuff. And you pick, yeah. pick what you want. Open the tin, they give you crackers and stuff. Yeah. So I've even always crackers. been, a, yeah, even crackers. <laughs> I've always been a big fan of tin fish. Okay. I actually like sardines are one of my favorite snacks. Actually, now, why yeah. is that? You what? know, I don't know. I just I think it's, I think it's amazing how they can get the freshness yeah. dialed in and something that's sitting at room temp on a shelf. Yeah, you know? that's what's kind of my question. yeah. And and like... so a lot of these canneries and stuff. I mean, they're getting stuff that day, processing it. It goes into the tin. Yeah. And they're sealing it up right then and there. So I mean, yeah. it's it's kind of like frozen fruit, fresh. huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah a frozen bit. fish, the, the way they do it. Yeah. Ripeness. Yeah, yeah. And or even fish on a ship that they freeze, they, they catch they it and freeze, freeze right it. away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, and I think hmm. you can you can impart more flavor into things because of the sealing process. You know, kind of yeah. creates a vacuum seal, so so things penetrate whatever you're you're yeah. tinning. You know, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's it's not a new trend, but no, yeah, they were th- talking about throwing it into stuff like potato salad. And, yeah, so. yeah, I've 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 put some ten some ten oh, okay. fish in a potato salad. It's pretty good. See? Yeah, see, you're always ahead yeah. of the curve. Not too fishy. Yeah. Not too fishy. No. Okay. No, just a little. I got bit some sardines there. here. I haven't opened them yet. Yeah. How old are they? How many years old? Doesn't are matter, they? does it? No. Okay. They like Don't they just yeah. live forever in the yeah. tin? I think so. <laughs> I knocked on the tent one day. They, they were still talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're ready. When are you going to open them? And we'd like to breathe some fresh air. <laughs> All right, so my last little part of this monthly discussion is what food trends would you like to see go away? Hmm. What food trends would I like to see go away? Um, I mean, I feel like this has been around for a while, but ranch on everything. Oh, yeah. I don't like ranch. It belongs on a veggie stick, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, um, and um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I so me personally, like, I don't, I don't pay attention to trends too much. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like it's, it's, uh, it's. I cook what I want. I cook what yeah. what I think uh, my guests are gonna like. You know, uh, and if it's trendy, it's trendy. If it's not. It's not, you yeah. know, and and uh, and so you know, I don't really, I don't really know yeah. what, what I want to see go away. And you don't really you know, cook anything it. you don't like, so right. it's not like you right. want to get rid of that, right? Yeah. So I mean, and I think I think with with trends, they that's that's what they are. They they come and go. So yeah. so you know, I just I'll ebb and flow with them if I yeah. have to, you know. If you have to. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Which one would I like to see go away? Yeah, is there a trend you'd like to see go away? Something that you don't care for in the yeah. food world? The keyboards. The keyboards. The keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, what is it? Um, is that a, I, I, I'm thinking of almond butter, but that's not it. But there was well, they were make some kind of goofy sandwiches for a while there, out of some kind of butters. Hmm. Oh no no avocado toast yeah make oh, that go avocado away avocado make toast. that go away yeah I can get on board with that that's an un- unpopular opinion I don't you just like wait avocado. till lunchtime and get guacamole you don't have to have avocado yeah. for breakfast yeah. I did make avocado toast one time for you and you said hey this is pretty good and I've never made it since yeah oh avocado <laughs> board yeah there you that's go. next <laughs> 
put different things. The toast in the goes away. The board comes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's a little good in everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want the hibachi in the dining room to go away. I want that. Actually, I actually had a neighbor who, who oh. would do that. They would light a hibachi in the oh living room, in yeah. the dining room right below me, yeah. and open up all the windows. I'm like, you guys are nuts. Yeah, yeah. You can't be doing that. Yeah, hibachi mm-hmm. grills, are, they're, they're meant for for the restaurants, for, for the yeah. dinner Either and the show. Either restaurants or, yeah, or no. run one outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be yeah. doing that stuff in yeah. your house. Yeah. They're the same people who bring the barbecue into heat when it gets cold and they've yeah. lost their electricity or something. Mm, yes. They shut yeah. off all my carbon dioxide detectors. <laughs> they may even deep fry turkey in their home. Oh, lordy. Oh. <laughs> That's a big hazard. Yeah. I've never deep fried a turkey. I have never wanted to. Yeah. yeah really. I don't know. Yeah. I think you had one. Didn't somebody I've do that? I've had one, yeah. yeah. Did it I, taste any different? There's a thing called snow camp they do on the south side of Mount Rainier in February. And they deep fry a turkey there. Okay. Uh, I, I made sure I stood 100 feet back while they were doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It can be really dangerous. Oh, yeah. I see, I've seen Did some it, videos where it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it just tastes like cooked turkey. So it doesn't yeah. really, you're not at, okay. So nothing that, that all the hot oil imparts into the bird that isn't already there flavor-wise. Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing that I saw today about trends was that, and, and again, this is like cannabis versus alcohol. Sure. You know, it was like... We see the trend coming back where people really want authentic food. It's not, don't just make your own croissants. Do the two to three day yeah. original thing. And then the next thing I read was anything that's easy and can be done in moments, that's what's new. It's like, so <laughs> basically, it depends on who you talk to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think the younger generation probably, because I mean, it's, they're so exposed. Everything's quick. It's, Everything's you know, quick. It's Thirty second videos, this, that, and that. You know, so yeah. so I think uh, yeah. Once once they start doing the cooking and stuff, I, yeah, it's going to be yeah. yeah. What's easy? What's quick? Yep. Yeah. I want to see GMO corn go away. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> let's get that out of here. <laughs> Is there? There's hardly anything but GMO corn. Right. Yeah. You got to go to a, to a small little village in Mexico or something to find <laughs> actual non-GMO corn. Actually, you know, I was interviewing the guy. One of the people who started Saison, mm-hmm. and he was saying that they they bring their corn yeah. up because yeah. not only is it like good corn mm-hmm. and it's not GMO, but they are keeping the small farmers yeah in yeah. existence down there, which is important. Yeah, you know I'm I'm big into that. I love Saison. Saison is so oh, good. Oh God, yeah. have you been to the new place? I haven't. No, I haven't either. No. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was writing about when I was talking to him, but I haven't been down there yet. Last so. Christmas season, actually, they had they made their own uh, uh, hot sauce, and it was like a it was a deeply smoky uh, chili that they used. I don't know what it was, uh, and fig. Oh, yeah. So it was a fig chili yeah. hot sauce. It was really good. Very yeah. creative. Yeah. All right, shall we take a break? Yeah, sure. Take a break, and then we'll come back. What are we going to do? News bites or the calendar? We'll talk about where we've been eating out. Oh yeah, okay. We'll do that. All right. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. Hi, I'm Justin Basil. I'm from the east side of Washington State, and when I come to Seattle, I love to visit Morrow down at Asagio's. They have wonderful Italian food, great heritage, and it's a beautiful location. Hi, this is Ethan Stoll, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. 
We are back on the Seattle Dining Show, and we're going to talk a little bit about where we've been eating out and what we've been making at home. Yeah. Um, I ate out quite a bit this last month, more so than usual, so I've got four things to talk about. The first uh, was I, I really want to talk about it just because it was the oddest experience I've ever had. It was Tian Fu Old Town. It's next to the AMC 10 uh, theaters on 9th, 45th and 9th. Mm-hmm. And this was a a weeknight, probably a Tuesday or Thursday, something like that. And not a soul was in there when I got to the theater. And when we came out after the movie, not a soul was in there. <laughs> so they must do a ton of takeout. But uh, clearly they don't even know what to do with people when you come in. We We came in and said, can we sit down? And they were like, I guess so. I mean, there was two people there, one back kind of in the kitchen and one sitting at a counter with a headset on. I guess he was the waiter, but he had headset headphones on. Um, huh. So we asked, we got some stuff, we asked for some soy sauce, and they had no idea what we were talking about. Soy sauce? They couldn't, they had none. Wow. So we said, they didn't have any alcohol, so we said, can we get some hot tea? Uh, we, we don't really have. I think you were in the wrong place. No. Uh, other people came in and picked food up, but it was just an odd experience. So, is that and, the same group that's up there in Northgate? Oh, I haven't. Oh, tea and foo. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I think it is. Oh, okay. Odd. Um. Anyway, the next one I want to talk about is that over the holidays I met some friends at Oliver's for a martini, and then we went into Andaluca mm-hmm. for dinner. And I gotta say, really, really a good dining. Just the whole evening. Um, for one thing, packed. So it was like old times, you know, when, when people were out on holidays, people were happy. Um, Oliver's was just hopping. It was a great martini. And Andaluca, Chef Tiffany Laco does such a good job there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a black cod, and it was so, so good. Mm. I left not a bite on my plate. Huh. Um, and, you know, if you go in for dinner, they give you complimentary valet parking. So it was so nice for me. I didn't have to worry about walking if I, you know, I, yeah. or taking the bus and having to take the bus home in the dark. You know, I just drove down, dropped it off, had a wonderful evening, got in my car and went home. Okay. So, um, it was a lovely little holiday thing. It was. So I got a couple more, but where, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, we, we went and had a little holiday dinner with our friend Derek over at Flint Creek Cattle Company. Yeah. And uh, that was that was really good, really delicious. We had that. We started up with a burrata with some squash. Yeah, oh, that was good. And then uh, you had what did you have? I had um, a halibut. A halibut. Yeah, it was. Must so be good. Flint Creek Cattle Company. I know. You know? You... Halibut's not cattle. Well, that'll tell you how good of a place it is because it was <laughs> one of the best halibuts I've ever had. And then what? I have a beef tenderloin. Yeah, you did. That was quite good. Yeah. Derek had a uh, wild boar pasta. Yeah, he had it was Parmesan potato gnocchi and fennel braised wild boar. Ah, yeah. He was very happy with it. In fact, we all took bites of it, and it was very good. Yeah. It was really good. You so know, I'd go back as long as Derek's buying. Yeah, it was expensive. And it's very <laughs> loud. We went straight upstairs. You asked if we could go upstairs, and, and that was doable. You yeah. Could hear, we I could made hear it through it up there. Yeah. Um, and just as a point, you know, about the halibut is that, you know, when I first met Eric, who owns it, he was the chef at 
ocean air. Oh, yeah, that's so right. So he's a fish guy. So he guy. knows how to make his fish. He's a fish guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then we ate at the Blue Glass. Yes. I don't remember. Oh, I had a veggie burger. And I had the regular burger. So that was, um, we actually, we had, um, a, it was a burrata, I think, appetizer. And then we had our burgers, and then we had a lot of time on our hands before we had to be someplace, so we went ahead and had dessert. So we made yeah. an evening of that. So. Yeah. The other fun thing I did with another friend um, uh, during December was I wanted – she'd never seen the teddy bear suite at the Fairmont Olympics. So I said, well, you got to do it once, you know, and you got to go to the gingerbread house at the Sheraton. you got to do them once. So we went to the Fairmont Olympic, and – I've actually written in the magazine about the lobby bar and the rest, you know, how they changed that. How they redid it all, yeah. But I had never been. And she walked in and saw that lobby bar and she said, we really need to sit down here and have a Bloody Mary. (laughs) So I was like, twist my arm. And it was very fun. Again, there was a lot of people. uh, Some people were dressed up, maybe just sweaters. Some people had, you know, really sparkly clothes on. It was middle of the day. But people were holidaying, mm-hmm. and it was very fun. And, of course, they always have a beautiful tree in the lobby. So that was that was really fun. It was um, – I don't know if they didn't have enough staff or more people were there than expected or something, but it was long wait times to get a drink, to even order mm. a drink. So mm. – um, and we did have Bloody Marys, which were fine. But then about two weeks after that, I met a friend out in Lincoln Square in Bellevue, and we went to Barron's Sino Kitchen. And of all places, the, you know, a, a, an Asian place, we ordered Bloody Marys, and they were killer Bloody mm. Marys. They put the Fairmonts to shame. Mm-hmm. They were just delicious. Hmm. Um, the food was pretty good. The, we did three kind of like small plates that we shared, and then we got one that was a black cod again. <laughs> deep fried black cod in a I walk. I think you're going to put black cod back on the yeah. endangered species list. Well, not really because it was so fishy. Mm. At Barron's, it was not. The rest of the stuff we had was quite good hmm. um, and enjoyed it, but it was a $38 dish and it was wow. fishy. So hmm. it was also the something like the 15th of December. And when the lunch crowd died down, they closed between lunch and dinner. They then they went out and finished decorating their Christmas tree. Hmm. So it was kind of a weird timing thing too. But but the the Bloody Marys and those three uh, appetizer things were great. Hmm. So that's my experience of eating out this month. Yeah, I didn't eat. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really go to too many places. Mm-mm. So I left you in the dust. All right. And what have we been cooking? Well. You know, mostly I didn't, because I was out so much, the cooking I did was right around the holidays. Mm -hmm. So for Christmas Eve, which we did at my house, I did the main lobster tail. That was really good. You got got four main lobster tails from PCC. Yeah, and they were, you know, between four and six ounces, which is why I thought we needed two each. Um, And I found a recipe actually from Metropolitan Market, and I did not want to use the whole recipe. It had a creme fraiche sauce. I just, I'm a purist when it comes to lobster. But I did use their cooking technique, which was just to basically cut that lobster down the middle and butterfly it, and then melted a little ghee. They said butter. I just used ghee, garlic, pressed garlic, and some lemon juice, and just brushed that on, and then baked it. Yeah. And that was, and then we dipped it into melted ghee with lemon juice. 
And the only thing I would have changed on that recipe is when you butterflied it, I would have released oh, yeah. the flesh from the shell and then pushed it back in and cooked it. Yeah. And that way you wouldn't have to struggle to get it out after it had been cooked. Yeah. I didn't have any trouble with the majority of it, but right where it hooked in at the tail, yeah, it was hard to get out. And we, I don't like to waste a little bite of that. <laughs> and then on Christmas, I made in the morning, I made an omelet that had caramelized red onion, garlic, that borsan cheese with herbs and garlic. Um, I think it ha- might have had a little shallot in it. And then we, I just made an omelet. You know, I just it's cooked quite it, good. rolled it. It's, it was really good. I liked it. And then um, you were making dinner, but I made the appetizer, which again. Oh, that was good. Yeah, this was again a met. A metropolitan market recipe, and it just used crescent rolls that you rolled out like a dough and put some in a muffin tin, uh, topped it with a, a like a teaspoon or more of brie cheese, a teaspoon, uh, like a quarter teaspoon of um, cranberry sauce, whole, mm-hmm. whole, and then some crunched up pecans and fresh thyme leaves on top and baked it. Yeah. It was delicious. That was really good. Yeah. I want some now. Well, you know what? I bought some more brie and some more crescent rolls, and we're going to have it for New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then uh, for Christmas night, I made a prime rib, and I uh, I used a little Montreal rub, and then I added in some fennel and cooked it low for like four four hours, I think it was, and we pulled it out. Popped it back in at 500 degrees about 30 minutes later. Opened up all the windows and the doors, turned on <laughs> the fans, and opened up the oven, pulled it out. Had a really nice crisp on it. And uh, made that with a wild rice stuffing side dish with some uh, orange peel, parsley, orange some pine juice. nuts. It had chicken stock in it. We lowered that a little and you put oh, yeah. orange juice in. That's right. That's yeah. right. So that was that was really good. That was really good. And that's all I needed. Yep. I don't need nine different side dishes. I just need one good one. Yeah, I always feel like I want more. But when you have good stuff, that's all you need. Yep. And speaking of good stuff, I wanted to mention the one wine that I thought was a standout that I got. And I got it at Total Wine. It was a Treveri sparkling wine, but it was a Mueller Thurgau, which I don't always see. And I just went back because I wanted more, and I took the last four off the shelf. So, oh, but that I thought was really nice. Well, I think we'll have that for New Year's Eve then. We just may do that. <laughs> All right, gonna do a little news bites here. Oh, you want to go right into that? Okay. Yeah. Let's see. The first one is that uh, Poroshki Poroshki has reopened their Third Avenue location. You know, they closed that because they had concerns for employees and customers because it was a scary area. Yeah, that's why I wasn't going down there. Yeah, and so now they're they're hoping increased security. They they obviously feel better about it. They're reopening with a coffee menu too to you know provide a need down there for locals, and they they feel that Seattle needs that commitment. And I was happy to see that. So that's kind of why I'm talking about how fun it was to go down at holidays downtown too. We need our city back. Yeah, we do. So. Uh, Skillet Diner is apparently going to open a new location at 1301 Post Alley at the Harbor Steps. Hmm. So uh, it looks like they're taking control of the space in late February. So they're doing their permitting and all that now. Then you I, should like to go to the one in Ballard, but then they closed it. 
Yeah, somebody else took it over. I don't know. It's not a skillet diner. I don't know what it is now. Oh, we'll have to go investigate. Yeah. Uh, an investigation. I like that. Our gourmet <laughs> investigative reporting. <laughs> it's almost like New York Times investigative reporters. We just do it on food. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I think he, Christopher Chan is known in the city because he's a sommelier, and he was at the Rainier Club for years. He's the one who started all the um, Seattle Wine Awards and several other awards in other states. Um, he has decamped for Walla Walla. He, he did it last June. I just found this out. Um, and he's hosting wine education and hospitality classes. And he has also taken the time to study for his Master Sommelier exam in May. Oh, good for him. Yeah. So that's where we he is. We want him to succeed him. in whatever he does. Yeah. He did a, a nice article for us for the holidays about wine. So we like that. London Plain. We knew this was closing, uh, but it finally closed after business December 24th. This is was in Pioneer Square. You know, uh, also a scary area, also pandemically hit, also a bunch of stuff. You know, it was just, it's gone. And then another closure, which I'm sure everyone has heard about now, is the Willows Inn on Lumi Island. Um, with all the troubles with not paying employees the way they should, uh, making them work for free, all these things. Uh, the original Having phony food. Yeah, it's all local right from here. Oh, well, yeah, we did get a few things Costco. from Costco. <laughs> so the original owners had sold it to new owners, um, and they were going through this for a while. And they finally just said, done. And they have donated the building to charity. Which I I think it will probably remain an inn and probably... I read something to that effect that... Uh, the charity said we're looking to either resell or, you know, have somebody run this yeah. as an inn and, and restaurant. So, you know, it, it could come back. I'm sure it's the people I've talked to who've gone there loved it, loved the atmosphere and everything. So if it's done right and legally and kindly, you know, be great. Yeah. Then you spotted a little notice, and I, I didn't know this was coming or the, I didn't know when, but they had said uh, – Jim had told me this when I interviewed him, but Tacoma's Lobster Shop will close in January, and it, this has been for a planned four-month remodel. They wanted to go in, take over, see how everything worked, and then figure out how they wanted to remodel. So that's going to reopen in late April, early May. They're going to modernize the layout. They're going to update the beverage program. They're adding a robust oyster program, and... Uh, Although it will still be the lobster shop, they're adding more steaks. And that makes sense because he owns the Metropolitan Grill and Elliot's, ah, which is, you know, okay. tons of oysters. So it just makes sense. So he's sense. got his connection to Taylor Shellfish, I'm sure. He's got all his connections. So, <laughs> And he said there will still be lobster. Don't worry. Water Grill opened in downtown Bellevue in December. This is the former McCormick and Schmick's on the corner. Uh-huh. Um, and they are known for first-of-season seafood, lots of fin fish, lobsters, crabs, oysters, and shellfish. Their oyster, I've forgotten now the number, but it's something like 13 or 23 kinds of oysters or something they're going to have. Wow. They have their own uh, whole processing distribution thing going on. It's uh, two cousins who took over from their father's. 
who had started restaurants in 1945. Hmm. So these guys have been in business a long time. I'm anxious to see what that's like. We'll have to go check them out. Well, you got to be careful. You don't want to put all your oysters in one basket because if you get a red tide, you're in trouble. <laughs> and that is why you have so many. <laughs> this was just a nice uh, stat that, uh, that I saw um, about Fair Start. For the first 10 months of 2022, so the stat goes from January to October, they provided nearly 1.3 million meals to organizations across Seattle. Wow. That's incredible. That's a lot. And since the beginning of the pandemic, they've provided nearly 5.2 million meals. Wow. And that's with help from other people, you know, like Gourmando and Food Lifeline and stuff. But they, Fair Start just kicked. I mean, they, they turned, they pivoted when things happened and they... They took what they already knew how to do and just went for it. Yep. So that's pretty amazing. That was um, while Angela Dunleavy was CEO, and she is leaving to go to Gourmando. We have a story about that coming up in the January issue, which you'll want to read. So then this is just a nice thing to know. Ivers has made a deal with the Seattle Historic Waterfront Association so guests of Ivers Acres of Clams and Ivers Pure 54 Fish Bar can get up to three hours of three free parking at the Pike Place Market Garage. Wow. That is nice. It's hard to park down there sometimes. Yeah. And as the changes are coming and things are still under construction, and even as it finishes and more people are down there, that's going to be a really nice thing to have. Well, they, must be, they must be paying the historic association, though, or not just getting free parking. Oh, I, they've got some deal. Yeah. You'll pay for it at the dinner table. Oh, maybe, yeah. It'll be built into your food costs. I like to. But that's okay. I like to be more naive. Yeah. Well, if you don't park down there, though, it's not a convenience. (laughs) You know, if you walk down or take the bus, then you're paying it for it. Yeah, if you you walk down, you're paying for someone else to park there. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's what a good neighbor does. So my last item is that Heritage Distilling Co. is planning to go public through a merger with a special purpose acquisition company, Better World Acquisition Corps. We'll see what Ronald has to say about that. And the deal is expected to close early in the second quarter of 2023. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Those things always end up going sideways somehow, some way. Yeah, it doesn't seem. And this was a local group that started this. I don't know if they just want to keep growing and that's why they're doing it or hmm. they want out and they're, you know, they're going public with a merger. So I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I don't know the details, but that is the scoop. All righty. So take a little break and come back and do the calendar. Sounds great. All right. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Pogata Restaurant and Bar located on Mercer Island. Locally owned and operated since 1997, Pogacha offers unmatched Northwest cuisine with an Adriatic flair. Quality food prepared simply, freshly, and with care means every visit is memorable. Come revel in their relaxed atmosphere while enjoying hand-selected fish, brine chicken, and scratch sauces. More information is available online at pogacha.com. Hi, my name is John Blair from Walla Walla, and when I visit Seattle, one of my favorite places is Wild Ginger. Hi, this is Brian Carter from Brian Carter Cellars, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show...
Well, you know, uh, uh, I've always typed with just three fingers. And he's fast. And because uh, that's all I know how to do. I use the, the top two fingers on my left hand and then the right index finger on my right hand. But I was tested one day. I was I was doing, I think, 65 or 70 words a minute. <coughs> so it seemed to work for me. Uh, but today I noticed I was I was actually typing with my left hand with the two fingers, and then with my right hand I was just tapping with the nail. So I think it's all that knife stuff that I've you know you know how you're supposed to hold your knife with your nails down. And I did so much cutting over the holidays that I've just <laughs> that's the way I do it now. That's how I type. So. Anyway, we're going to talk about the calendar. So what's going on? Let's see. Well, as always, we. Just pull a few things out that we think are interesting, but there's always more on the calendar. So just go to seattledining.com backslash calendar to see what else is going on throughout the month. The first one I was going to talk about was Wednesday, January 11th. There's a Sparkman Wine Dinner at Red Cow in Madrona. 120 per person, seatings at 5 and 8 p.m. Winemaker and owner Chris Sparkman will be on hand. He's always fun to talk to, so that'll be great. And Chef Megan Beck has crafted a five-course menu to go with the wine. It's going to include hamachi crudo, cocoa and espresso crusted venison carpaccio, ratatouille, duck breast, and a chocolate tart. Where's Red Cow? That's an Ethan Stoll restaurant. It's in Madrona. Oh, okay. Yeah. you got to get me out. Uh, you know, I you try. Keep me locked up. I try so hard. I don't want to go out. I want to go to rickshaw. <laughs> All right, Friday and Saturday, January 13th and 14th, it's going to be the fifth annual Taste of Eastern Washington in Shalam. So uh, January 13th, 5 to 8 p.m., January 14th, noon to 6 p.m. This is going to be wineries, spirits, breweries, fresh-shucked oysters. Why, there's no end to all the oysters out there, I tell you. oysters everywhere. Uh, And food available for purchase. General admission is going to be $70, and that gets you 12 tastings and six oysters, a 10% bottle purchase discount at the bottle shop, and unlimited in-and-out access throughout the weekend, and there will be live music. This is going to be held at Campbell's Resort. Right on the lake. I think, you know, since you and I aren't really oyster people, maybe that's a food trend we'd like to see go. Yeah, let the oysters, they're going to need to rebound at some point. Yeah, because there are a lot of oysters eaten. All right, on Saturday, January 14th, there's a winemaker dinner at Martinez and Martinez at 6 p.m. It's $125 per person. And for their wine club, La Familia members, it's 100 per person. Four-course meal by Fat Pastor, paired with Martinez wines defined by winemaker Drew Martinez. That's at their Prosser tasting room, and you need to call for tickets. All righty. And then on uh, Saturday and Sunday, January 14th and 15th, it'll be the Vietnamese Lunar New Year Tet in Seattle at the Seattle Center. It's going to be free. It always is. It always is. Uh, it's going to run 11 to 6 p.m. on both days. There's going to be live performances, hands-on activities, foods, crafts, games, fashion, martial arts, and a marketplace. It'll be held in the Fisher Pavilion and in the Seattle Center Armory. 
You know, that's one of those things. These They have these throughout the year. When, when they first started them years and years ago, I thought, what a great idea. And I bet I've been to one. I've never been. Yeah, I, I think they'd be very fun, but I don't seem to do them. So maybe that's a, a New Year's resolution. All right. Thursday, January 26th, it's a Tom Douglas dinner benefiting Coastal Cutthroat Coalition at the Hot Stove Society at 5.30 p.m. It's $176.39 with service fee. Uh, Tom will be doing a cooking demo and serving a Spanish-inspired dinner. Tapas, escarole salad, roast pork, wines, and more. And this I thought was interesting, that following dinner... If you care to, you can move to a private cigar club in Soto for cigars and spirits. <laughs> now, I don't know. It didn't say anything about there being a charge for that. So either if you don't go, you're really missing out on part of what you've paid for, or there's an extra charge for that. I'm kind of assuming there's an extra charge for that. Well, I'm glad to see the hot stove back in action. Oh, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Okay. On uh, Saturday, January 28th, the onesie pub crawl, locations <laughs> to be announced, except to start near First and Pike and end about a mile away. So you just make up your own locations if you want. No, it's, it hasn't been announced yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll run from January 28th at noon until the 29th at 2 a.m., Bar hopping all day and night in onesies. You have to wear a onesie if you go to this uh, in downtown Seattle. Uh, That's going to get some press. I know that. Uh, 1,500 people did this last time, which I guess was last year. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, You check in anytime with your wristband. Tickets are $5 to $30. You want to get the link for the tickets, you're going to go to seattledining.com and click on the calendar. Yeah. These are the same people that did the Santa SantaCon. Oh yeah. It was all the people dressed up in Santa outfits going through downtown all across the nation. Huh. This group is funny. Saturday and Sunday, January twenty eighth to twenty ninth, it's the Tacoma Night Market, five to ten PM on the twenty eighth and eleven to four on the twenty ninth. It's a free thing. There's music, drinks, delicious local foods, and you can shop from artists and makers. There's usually 50 to 100-plus vendors and both indoor and outdoor booths. So kind of a fun thing to just go out and wander around. Yeah. It's at um, – I don't see it here. I didn't mark it down, but it's at Dock Street. Okay. Uh, 705 Dock Street um, down by the uh, glass museum, the oh, yeah. glass blowing thing. Not, not Dock Street up here in Seattle. No, no. This is Tacoma. Dock Street in Tacoma. Tacoma yep. Night Market. Yeah. Okay. All right. Should be interesting. Yes. Well, let's take a little break, and then we have our special guest standing by. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... The Resort at Port Ludlow, nestled on the shores of Puget Sound, just an hour from Seattle. The Resort at Port Ludlow offers 37 cozy rooms, each with a fireplace and jetted tub. And Fireside, a farm-to-table restaurant celebrating the bounty of local farms, artisan meats, and cheese. The dinner menu changes daily to reflect the best the region has to offer. Their 18-hole golf course is appreciated by players of all skill levels with stunning views throughout. The 300-slip marina offers many amenities along with kayak and watercraft rentals. Find more information online at portludlowresort.com. Hi, I'm Nicole and I live in Everett. I like to go to Emery's by Silver Lake. 
I'm Kelsey Jones from Seattle Magazine, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Barron, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the front of the house. And uh, we have a special guest in the studio today, Connie. Tell us all about him. Well, everyone knows all about him because he's already been on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Chef Dylan Herrick of the Barking Frog is here. And now we thought we had a, we thought we had, we do have a couple of things to talk about with you. One was um, you were talking about this time of year being great for food preservation and fermentation. Because we're using what you did that with. Yes. So let's talk about that, like what your process is. and Yeah, so, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's different applications we'll do to, to different things that we get in. So, so we're getting these things in from our farmers mm-hmm. at the, hi- the height of the season. Um, and uh, so we can utilize them throughout the year. We take certain techniques. So sometimes it's just a simple pickle. Mm-hmm. Uh, will lacto ferment some things, which is which is another way of pickling without vinegar. Oh. Uh, that actually so so it's just a salt brine solution, a certain percentage, uh, and what it does is the sugars in in the veggies that you're you're pickling, mm-hmm. uh, they turn into lactobacilli, uh, which then give sort of that that acidic taste yeah. to it and naturally ferment and pickle the items. Okay. Uh, and then um, we'll do things like make make hot sauces uh, like with uh, with fruits especially, um, and, and fresh, fresh chilies from the farmers and stuff like that. Uh, root vegetables, when we get them in fresh, sometimes what we'll do is we'll bury them in sand, uh, and kind of like a natural way to, so air doesn't get to it, so they don't go bad. And then, um, they sort of naturally condense the sugar content gets a little higher. So, you know, we pull them out months later and we have this kind of brand new crazy tasting carrot. Wow. Like that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 That is interesting. And then, like on the menu, how do you talk about that? Do you say it's a naturally brined? Uh, yeah, so so, so so we'll say yeah, we lacto fermented these, you know, and we 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 speak to it, you okay. know, like like the process, and and we'll say we picked this at the height of the season, yeah. you know, and it, and it went straight into a jar, and now we're enjoying it, okay, at this time, because that's what I was thinking for. For a long time, people didn't care about stuff like this, mm-hmm. and they'd say, "Oh, strawberries in winter, I love it." Yeah, and that you'd be like, yeah. "Are they just frozen mush or right. what?" So right. you know, it's well, like when yeah, you they're see definitely not that... coming from here in the winter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, but I mean, that's 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 one thing about the, the the food industry. You know, it's it's we can ship anything anywhere quickly now. You yeah. Know? So we're we're we're, uh, we're seeing you can get good strawberries in in winter you know but but i like staying as local as possible yeah you know but but there's there's people have that expectation of when i go out for breakfast i want a strawberry no matter what yeah. you know so so we have to source from northern california or yeah. <laughs> places like Someplace that you know? yeah and That's, then now uh, when you say you make sauces and that mm-hmm. sort of thing so are you storing those or are you just using them you know right live on the on the food line then or no so so we'll we'll store them um uh you know cause we will it'll be airtight we'll we'll pull the air out of it so i mean we can we can store so you have that a, for forever a, a cannery yeah. system yeah yeah okay yeah. or a canning system yeah huh 
Nice. Yeah. 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 I freeze a lot of stuff. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll make, you know, I might make some jams and I'll mm-hmm. freeze them in ice trays. Oh, yeah. And then when I thaw them down, they're just as good as oh, when perfect. I put them in. Yeah, yeah. Guacamole. Well, freezer freeze, jam uh, is one of my favorite things. Ever. Yeah. I love freezer jam. <laughs> I know. It's so good. Always tastes like summer. Yeah. You, you can see I don't have any room for canning here. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He put a canning line in. I made him take it out. Nah, bummer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right before the trend's going to start next year, too. Yeah. The canning yeah, everything. The canning yeah. Trend. Oh, yeah. bummer. You get Everybody who bought canning back. stuff that wants to sell it and get rid of it or give it away on on uh, Get It Now or whatever yeah, that the, stuff is. Yeah, next door. Facebook for free, whatever that <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> next door, I think. It's like, is your neighbor canning? All right. The other thing we wanted to talk about was that, for me at least, I don't find root vegetables very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that's a lot what you get fresh in winter. So how do you make your winter meals exciting? And, and you, always, you have a, a lot of stuff on the menu that's really... Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, root vegetables. I love root vegetables, oh, okay. actually. Um, but, but I think... And, and there's... I think certain root vegetables need certain applications done to them. Like mm-hmm. a turnip, for instance, uh, is it, it's a it's a flavor. You know, a lot of people don't <laughs> like turnips, but if you take a turnip and you braise it slowly mm-hmm. in a liquid, it will take away some of that that bitter turnipy taste. Mm. Uh, and, and they, I mean, turnips act like a sponge when you braise them in something. So oh. so, and and the texture of them gets soft. And when you do it slow enough, it's almost custard like on the texture. Oh wow! You know, yeah. And then and then um, you know, like beets for instance, um, like larger beets, uh, we'll do like a braise on them. But like baby beets, skin on, roast them hot. Just oil, salt, and pepper, oh. uh, and uh, yeah. So and purees. I think I think uh, if you're not a root vegetable fan, turning it into a puree like a mashed potato, essentially, but yeah. just with whatever root veg you're doing, you know, enough, mm-hmm. enough cream and butter and everything. <laughs> good, good, right? Yeah. <laughs> you could do a beet board. Yeah. <laughs> board everything. Yeah. Well, you guys do a burger at lunchtime. We do do a burger. Yep. So you could do you could t- uh, take and and throw some. Uh, Sliced beets in a convection oven, put them in a little salt brine for a while, yeah. suck all that starch out of them, and then bake them up in the convection yeah. oven. Yeah, and get to some replace nice the tomato. Beet chips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got two burgers. We got a lamb burger and a beef burger on the menu. Okay. For lunch, yeah. And where's the lamb come from? Uh, the lamb we get from Anderson Ranch uh, down in Oregon. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. But actually, I just had, I had a couple in the other night that uh, they, uh, they have a farm out in Duval. Oh. Uh, yeah, and they, they raise uh, lamb and pigs. Oh. Uh, so I think I might start getting it super local. I want to do some lamb. Yeah, I got to yeah. try it. Yeah, yeah you got you got to try it because you got to find out if that terroir. You know, a lamb yeah. is like wine. Yeah, know, so yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It kind of it kind of takes terroir. on its its environment a little bit. <laughs> Oregon know? has really good terroir for lamb. I've had some lamb out of Ellensburg that was really horrible. Bad lamb in Ellensburg. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know what they're feeding them. Well, there's a difference too between older. Which yeah. is mutton, right? Yep. And lamb, which is, you know, younger. Yeah. Younger. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be a difference, too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mutton. That's a trend that's got to go. The mutton. You know, <laughs> got to go. Mutton chops can stay. Yeah. So before we wrap up, what else is going on? What What's new and exciting that people should know about Barking Frog? Um, well, uh, New Year's Eve, we're doing something for the first time this year. We're doing a 10-course tasting menu. 
uh, so people will hang out for a while, uh, just one seating for the night. Um, and, uh, and we're, we're putting more of a focus on our, our winemaker, uh, series. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so kind of once a quarter we're trying for, we'll do a big winemaker dinner where, uh, restaurants close for regular service, uh, work with one particular winemaker and, uh, and we're doing tasting menus for them. Um, uh, so, so yeah, we're putting, we're putting more of a focus on sort of these, um, uh, specialized dinners and stuff like yeah. that you know uh and then um it's it's menu menu changing season coming up first of the year wow. uh, yeah so we'll have we'll have a brand new menu uh and all the outlets uh by the end of january uh so that's happening um and i think just uh you know this will be the first year that that i'll i'll be running the show yeah fully, fully you know so in 2023 uh and uh and you know new crews there's there's been some some promotions and stuff like mm-hmm. that so i think that there's just a there's a sense of a s- excitement with the staff and and yeah. and, and what's going to happen next and stuff like that you know yeah. um uh and and everyone's just really excited i think for this upcoming year and to kind of to kind of uh make it ours now yeah you know how many times a year do you change the menu uh, four. So with four. with Good. each season, yeah. Um, and I mean the two big changes uh, are spring and fall, uh, and then summer, summer and winter. It could just be like little tweaks that we're making to, mm-hmm. to the existing menus, or sometimes we're like, hey, we're bored cooking this stuff. Let's just <laughs> yeah. let's do we're everything. We're gonna do something new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice to have that uh, leeway. Yes. To to be able to yeah. say, let's not stick with what we did last year. We're gonna right. do this. Right. Right. Well, and then I mean, since since I've taken over, we've we've done some things differently and stuff, and and I think uh, uh, the guest uh, reaction to it has been really really good. Yeah. So so I'm excited for that. That hey, we can kind of push the envelope a little bit yeah. next year and stuff like that, and kind of try some new stuff. So you so. mentioned before we came on the air that um, you were booked solid. Oh yes. throughout Christmas, throughout the holidays. So. Uh, that that does say people are excited. They yes. want to get back out and see what's happening, or they've already been back out and they want to come back and have another meal. Right, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I mean, and talking about our burgers, uh, the lamb burger actually, we we switched it with this last menu change, uh, and it's the first time we've had a different lamb burger in like twenty two years. Oh my god! We've always we've always had the same same lamb burger: red wine, onions, goat cheese, garlic aioli. Now we're doing a Calabrian chili aioli, olive tapenade. Goat oh, cheese and arugula. Wow. So we so we switched it up and uh, and there was a review left. Best Lamberger ever. So <gasps> wow. So it's good. You know, I, I think um, uh, for me taking over for for a chef that was there for twenty years. Yeah. You know, um, uh, and and was kind of that was the barking frog was Bobby Moore. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, I think uh, uh, I was nervous about changing too much and stuff like that mm-hmm. and getting pushed back. But I think as I've slowly started to do it. And the, the reaction, uh, yeah. I, I have a sense of excitement for next year of, yeah. of being able to kind of uh, kind of spread our wings a little bit and, and do things differently. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. Well, and I'm sure Bobby does, too, because he's the one who said you should be the guy. Right. So it's right. not like you came in and, you know, people were upset. It was no. his choice. No, so. yeah. It was, I mean, we were yeah. we were very diplomatic about the whole thing and stuff. And, uh, and you know, we worked together for, for about a year before I kind of officially took over. Yeah. Uh, and then, but, I mean, I've known him for. 17 years i was gonna say you know. you've worked with yeah. him a lot over yeah the a years. long time you know and i mean and yeah. he kept saying he's like you're gonna do stuff with this place i never could so yeah yeah, yeah i think it was it was to be expected that things will change yeah. you know and, and it, as they should as they should now so, there's two good places to eat on the east side yeah not just one yeah yeah because <laughs> bobby's got <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> 
All right. Dylan, thank you so much for being here. This was really fun for us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be right back to close up the show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Whistlin' Jack's Outpost and Lodge in the heart of the Washington Cascade Range, where you can go to unplug, reset, and recharge. Stay in one of their refreshed cabins, relax in the hot tub overlooking an old-growth forest, and dine in their full-service Riverview restaurant. Find them online at whistlinjacks.com. Hello, my name is Carrie. I live in Magnolia, and my favorite restaurant is Tabalada. Hi, it's Leslie Mackey from Macrina Bakery here in Seattle, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. are back on the Seattle Dining Show. Tom Marin, the publisher here, together with Connie Adams. Normally, in this segment of the show, the closing segment, we do some tips and tricks. However, we uh, have a special announcement to make, and that is that after having done this podcast now for eight years, we're going to take a little time off and do other stuff, and we're going to... uh, Put this one to rest now. So uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun doing it. We've had some. We've done almost a hundred shows, and uh, the magazine is not going away. So you're going to get the wonderful editorial that Connie calls together every month. That's going to continue on. Uh, we do have a tips and tricks column that I'll probably start. I'll have some time and I'll, I'll probably start <laughs> updating a few things in there and adding some more tips and tricks. Uh, the calendar is always going to be there online for you and it's always more robust than we had time to do on the show. Uh, the news bites will always be there and uh, we're just going to uh, give you more time to cook and not listen to podcasts. <laughs> It's been such a fun thing to do. I I recall when Tom came to me and said, I think we should do a podcast. And my response was, why do you keep finding things for us to do? And eight years later, here it is. uh, It's hard to believe we won't be doing it. But um, we've had wonderful guests over the years. We've had so many chefs and and winemakers and retail shop owners. And it's just people who give their time and – you know, love the food industry, love culinary. That's yeah. it's been really fun. But we'll keep that coming editorially. Yes, you'll still be out there doing all the interviews with people, and and also if you've maybe discovered us recently, all of these will stay on the magazine. You can just go up and look at show. Yep, and all the old, uh, all the over the eight years, all the shows are there. So they're there. Feel free to listen in. Pluck through them and. Roll with the old time. Yeah, you could probably ignore the calendar section and news bites because, you know, <laughs> yeah, old news. You can skip those old news. Although, yeah. I don't know, it'd be kind of fun to hear the news bite stuff. Yeah, see when something see happened. See how things have, have you know, progressed over yeah, the years. Evolved. Yeah, So So that's it, folks. So uh, dine well, dine often, 
And we'll see you online at seattledining.com. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the seattle dining show